Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of February 19th through the 21st, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Now, before we get to the rest of the show, I have a couple of housekeeping items to take care of. First off, we have an anniversary slash birthday to celebrate. Ours. Uh, Box Office Watch has officially turned one year old this week, with our first ever episode having been released back in February 25th, 2020, aka the fourth Tuesday of February that year. Uh, same as this week. Since then, we've had officially 50 episodes plus one bonus episode, uh, which is another benchmark we're celebrating. As I said last week, this project started off as me writing up box office news recaps on my Facebook timeline for my friends, mostly around Avengers Endgame or maybe the Lunar New Year, uh, and eventually turning it into a podcast. Uh, whether or not you've been following the show from the beginning or if this is your first episode, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and supporting. Uh, the format may have changed from what I initially envisioned uh, with it essentially uh, you know, having to deal with the pandemic uh, about a month into the podcast, a hell of a time to start a box office podcast, but somehow I've persevered uh, much like somehow the movie industry has. Uh, to that end, uh, there's actually a second announcement uh, for to take care of. Uh, in light of having consistently created podcasts nearly every week in the past year, on top of the other, you know, four to five different shows that I'm making under my creative label of Ninja Boy Media, I figured it's high time I make a Patreon. Uh, you've probably seen other creators do it, but in case you haven't, uh, it's essentially a way for you to financially contribute directly to the show's success uh, for anything that I make. Uh, don't worry, the show will not go behind the paywall. It will always be free to listen on wherever you currently get the show. Um, it just basically gives me a little bit more of a financial cushion, uh, and you know, maybe if I get enough financial aid, uh, start to do more more ambitious thing with the show, turning it maybe into a full-time thing. I'm still figuring out all the perks that patrons can get, uh, but to start, you know, you could maybe ask a question for me to answer directly on the show, or give me a specific topic uh, that you want an entire episode dedicated to, um, or even at the highest levels, you know, give me a call to pick my brain on whatever topic you want to. Uh, like I mentioned, this goes to not only supporting Box Office Watch, but any of the other po podcasts that I produce, such as my Oscars podcast, Oscars Death Race podcast, where I try to watch all the Oscar nominees in a given year or die trying, or my anime podcast, yet another anime podcast, um, among others. Uh, think of it like a buy one, get one, two, or three for free. Uh, a link to my Patreon will be in the show notes moving forward. Uh, anyway, enough about me asking for money. Let's take a look at how much money movies made this week at the box office. Uh, following up to last week's Lunar New Year episode, how have things turned out after the first full, after the full week holiday in terms of box office? Uh, last we heard, uh, Detective Chinatown 3 had led the last weekend, but it was slowly getting uh, ca caught up to by a uh, high mom uh, due to better of word of mouth. Uh, so where did things shake out? Well, looking at last weekend's numbers, in first place, we do in fact have High Mom at top. It's sitting at 622.58 million US dollars lifetime this past weekend, making 134 million US dollars, a small 17% drop versus last weekend. In second place, we do have Detective Chinatown 3 sitting at 622.47 million US dollars, so about a million dollar difference or less, um, you know, this past weekend, uh, bringing in only 45 million US dollars uh, and an 89% drop versus last weekend. Uh, as we noted, starting Monday, Hi Mom began outpacing Detective Chinatown 3 in terms of daily numbers. Uh, Monday the 15th saw 83 million and 67 million dollars respectively. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday saw 91, 85, and 66 million 
million for High Mom compared to 48, 35, and 25 million for Detective Chinatown. Uh, in fact, we even saw a small increase from Monday to Tuesday uh, for High Mom, while, whereas uh, Detective Chinatown continued to drop off straight, um, with higher drops day over day for the trilogy film. As far as where the two will end up, well, both probably have a couple days away from surpassing Avengers Endgame uh, China, China total, which is $629.1 million US dollars. Uh, High Mom is expected, according to Maoyan, to hit somewhere in the $799 million US dollars range, which would make it the number two highest grossing film in China of all time, behind Wolf Warrior 2 and the head of animated film Neza. Detective uh, Chinatown 3 is set to get somewhere in the 673 million range, uh, which would be good for number 5 behind The Wandering Earth and ahead of Avengers. Now, some other records broken. Uh, director Ling Jia of Hai Mom is now the highest grossing solo female director in a single market uh, with this total as it stands. In addition, if she's somehow able to beat expectations and surpass Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman, which sits at 821 million US dollars lifetime gross, she could be the highest grossing female director of all time worldwide, uh, solo director not counting co directors. Uh, also, Hi Mom has the highest grossing Monday and Tuesday in a single market with their totals. Black Panther is the next closest I can find for Monday with $40 million versus Hi Mom's $91 million. Uh, and then Black Panther and Spider-Man Far From Home uh, has $39 million compared to Tuesday's $85 million. Uh, Hi Mom was just shy of taking Wednesday with their $66 million behind Twilight's Eclipse film uh, $68 million on free Wednesday. Uh, and of course, Hi Mom now sits at the top of the global box office for 2021, with no American films in the top 10 from what I can tell. Uh, looking at the other Chinese films this past weekend, uh, in third place we have The Writer's Odyssey taking another $20 million to get to $112 million lifetime. Uh, Andy Lau's Endgame, again, no, end, no Avengers connection, uh, jumped three spots uh, with $14 million this past weekend, getting to $42 million lifetime. And rounding out the top five is Booney Bears the Wildlife, making $9.9 million uh, this weekend for $77 million lifetime total. Sitting so just outside the top five is New Gods, Neza Reborn, which actually got picked up by Netflix for distribution here in the West. Also, a correction from last week, this Neza is not connected to the one that made gangbusters and is the current number two highest grossing film in China. It's just a common mythology within China that is used in public domain and is made into multiple films. Uh, in any case, according to Deadline, all movies in China this uh, this week made 1.56 billion, that's B with a billion with a B, US dollars through Sunday, uh, which is about 71% of the total box office that North America had in the entirety of 2020 in a single weekend. Not bad. Uh, according to the box, and in this, in this to that, if you add the box office from the week, from the month prior, we get to 2.15 billion US dollars for the Chinese box office to date, uh, aka about 98% of the entire box office uh, in North America last year, and about 69, nice, percent of China's 2020 total. Uh, the comparison is skewed for obvious reasons, but nevertheless is still impressive. Okay, box office from China's side, what other news do we have? I think, uh, well, we're not quite going to get away from China just yet, but Warner Brothers' Tom and Jerry is set to release over there on February 26th, the same day as the simultaneous release here in the States on HBO Max and in theaters. Uh, no expectations yet, as I can tell, um, but at the very least, it's notable because it'll be the first Western film to release there post-Lunar New Year. 
um, other films getting China release dates. Ryan the Last Dragon is set for May, March 5th, the same day as the Disney Plus release. And Chloe Zhao's Nomadland is set to release on April 23rd, just before the Oscars. Now, if Zhao does end up winning an Oscar, potentially Best Director or even Best Picture, it would be pretty big for China since she's actually a Chinese national, uh, which could push her to do very well over there as they embrace her success. Not to mention, you know, this could lead to them pushing uh, uh, Eternals, you know, Marvel's Eternals later this year to do well off of her name as Oscar award-winning Chinese national Chloe Zhao. Now, speaking of re- releasing theatrically, some other big news. Uh, Governor Cuomo of New York has announced that movie theaters in New York City will finally be able to reopen at 25% capacity with a max of 50 people per auditorium starting on March 5th, just in time for Raya and The Last Dragon. As we've covered on this show, despite allowing for indoor dining to, dining to resume in the city earlier this year, this this year, last year, and the rest of the state allowing movie theaters to open with capacity limits, New York City cinemas were not permitted to reopen at all within the past year since they shut down for the pandemic. Uh, you know, being the second largest market for the box office in the country, behind only Los Angeles, it's not reopening at all. It was likely it was tied to many films deciding to being pushed back from their fall release dates. Uh, AMC 25 in Times Square is actually the largest cinema in the entire country, uh, I w- and I would believe that. Now, longtime listeners of the show will know that I am based in New York City, so you can tell I'm definitely excited for the chance to be able to see films on the big screen again, though, you know, I will say I'm not going to go most likely until I get vaccinated, uh, just for mine and my family's peace of mind, so don't worry mom and dad, um, even if it does mean I have to miss out on seeing Godzilla vs. Kong on the big Lincoln Center AMC uh, through IMAX screen, oh well. Uh, at the very least though, AMC A-List apparently has extended the pause on billing us for the time billing since the pandemic started, uh, th- for the third time since the pandemic started, meaning I don't need to pay that until hopefully July, uh, which will be time for enough for me to get vaccinated, I hope. Another market to get a theater reopening is in the UK. After the new COVID variant that originated from there sent the country into a lockdown, they just announced a four-stage plan to roll back restrictions beginning March 8th. Cinemas sit in Tier 3, meaning that they can reopen with restrictions starting May 17th, uh, though drive-in theaters can also actually reopen earlier starting April 12th. All this theater reopening news comes as a poll run by NRG suggests that confidence in moviegoers to return to the theaters in the near future has hit a post-pandemic high of 50%. The highest demographics were teens, uh, 60%, and men under 25%, 62%, while women over 25 were the least comfortable at only 40%. Uh, 82% of people said they are very comfortable to go back once vaccines are more widely available, all the more reason for more aggressive vaccine rollout. Uh, now, there are some other film announcements this week between trailers and new release dates, things moving to streaming, production news. So let's get into all of those real quickly. Uh, the trailer for Disney's live-action Cruella starring Emma Stone debuted to 71 million views on the first day, uh, surpassing those of Mulan and Maleficent, while behind those of Lion King and Mulan. Uh, the Joker-esque nature of the film seems to drive a lot of engagement, uh, both positive as well as negative. But more importantly to us, it seems it's still set to have a theatrical release in May. Uh, Mortal Kombat's trailer came out, though there is no news. Uh, that's not really big news. It's still an HBO Max simultaneous theatrical simultaneous release, but it is coming confirmed April 16th. 
also on HBO Max, we got a confirmation that Hugh Jackman's thriller, Reminiscence, will have its release on September 3rd. This reportedly had had a clause in the initial distribution contract uh, for exclusive theatrical release, so presumably Warner Brothers worked something out and can work something out with other films that may have uh, you know, theatrical exclusive release in the contract, such as uh, Will Smith's King Richard. Uh, Netflix picked up the 9-11 Victims Fund drama Worth uh, in collaboration with the Obama's production company Higher Ground. Uh, this film pre- premiered at Sundance last year and is likely to release around the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks this coming year. Netflix also picked up Aaron Andre's comedy Bad Trip to release next month, though apparently it was leaked online a while back. And they also announced that Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead will come out on May 21st. Uh, theatrically, Universal is releasing Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, on March 26th, one week early to get ahead of the Godzilla vs. Kong release. Um, and then Nomadland, as we mentioned, has a Chinese release date, but it will also have a release on April 9th on Disney Plus and Star in Canada, um, as well as in theaters, uh, following a limited run in Toronto to qualify for various critics' awards. Uh, Also, in international dates, No Time to Die has moved up a week uh, to September 30th in Russia and the UK, presumably with other markets to follow. Uh, This is presumably since Dune's international date moved up to the 17th, and they wouldn't want to compete on the same release date there. Uh, On the production side, the unmade Stanley Kubrick film Lunatic... Uh, at large is set to launch production earlier this year. No word on who the director might be, but one to keep an eye on just because of the pedigree of Stanley Kubrick. Um, another film with no director said yet um, is the sequel to The Godfather Part 2 of Talking Beer Movies, Paddington 2. That's right, we're getting a Paddington 3, with some of the original team involved were involved in a different capacity, specifically writer-director Paul King, who is currently working on directing Willy Wong- Warner's Willy Wonka origin story movie. In other slightly weirder upcoming projects, apparently Mark Wahlberg is executive producing a docu-series about MoviePass. Um, Now, this may not be a movie exactly, but uh, if you don't remember what MoviePass was and how it relates to the box office, the TLDR that it was essentially a third-party AMC A-list that offered unlimited movies for a low $10 a month with the hopes of growing so big that it would end up pressuring the movie studios to give them a rough share. Um, I remember that glorious, glorious summer when I was able to watch a ton of movies uh, before it all went tits up because they ran out of money. But man, that was such a wild time and really got me into watching movies uh, to the degree that I do now, at least when there's no pandemic. It really feels a lot like one of those GameStop documentaries uh, we talked about a few weeks back. So interesting to see how this one turns out. Uh, reportedly, Big Hero 6 characters from the Disney animated film and the TV series are going to be entering the MCU. No further details on that yet. Uh, similarly, apparently the MCU team are just meeting with potential writers for a Fantastic Four movie, so no other real news on that. Otherwise, it'll be a while. Other superhero news, the Robert Pattinson Batman film has had its production delayed due to the star's stunt double getting COVID. Um, there's also an update that apparently Rian Johnson uh, is... Uh, Ryan Johnson is still working on the Star Wars trilogy from an earlier interview, a recent interview with a reporter, though again, no further details announced on when and where those would be. Uh, Multi-hyphenate Donald Glover is, however, reported to have signed a deal with Amazon for a multi-year deal, leaving his deal with Disney's FX, uh, joined by his co-writer, producer, brother, Stephen Glover. Uh, This doesn't affect FX's Atlanta through season four, which he will still be a part of up up to that point, 
but he does have other projects coming up, including a remake of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, which he's also going to be starring in, and a TV series called Hive, notably involving Malia Obama. Uh, Skydance Media is the production company but underneath uh, that, that has partnered with Paramount the last 10 years to make films such as Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator Dark Fate, and the upcoming Tom Gun- Top Gun Maverick fil- sequel and more. Um, their animation subsidiary, Skydance Animation, just signed a multi-year TV and film deal with Apple TV, uh, signing over their upcoming animated titles Luck and Spellbound. Uh, notably, Skydance Animation is the company that former Pixar head John Lasseter ended up at after allegations of sexual misconduct led him to leaving Pixar. And Alan Menken of, you know, Little Mermaid fame is apparently working on the film Luck alongside Lasseter. In other Apple news, Scorsese's newest film, Killers of the Flower Moon, has had Leon, which had Leonardo DiCaprio attached, will actually be led by Jesse Plemons, which I'm really looking forward to. He's was amazing in, in whatever he's in. Um, in other Scorsese news, uh, he recently went on a man yelling at cloud impersonation by saying cinemas are being devalued by content and that the uh, movie industry isn't taking care of cinemas, uh, specifically the cinephile subculture versus general audience. I'll pass no judgment either way here. Here, if it's the right thing or not, but take a look at yourself if you're interested and make your own conclusions. Um, and on that note, uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, starring Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo, did pretty well on its PVOD debut, uh, between third and fifth on the various charts, while The Crudes, coming off of its POVOD to the more regular VOD pricing, uh, uh, and Wonder Woman 1984 uh, coming you know, to, POV, to BOV, B, PVOD after its uh, theatrical exclusivity second month uh, in theaters um, also made the charts as well. And to that point, there was also a story from Aaron Sorkin about how Netflix bought up his Oscar uh, contender Trial of the Chicago 7 from Paramount because since it's politically filmed, it needed to come out before the election uh, last year, but the sorts of people who would likely go to see movie theaters, movies in theaters at the time would probably be COVID hoaxers who uh, didn't really be the type to buy into what uh, you know Chicago 7 is all about uh, and hence the decision to sell it to a streaming site. So I don't know, that just seemed like a a pretty appropriate story for this uh, podcast. Okay, on that note, let's take a look at theatrical domestic numbers before wrapping up this show. Uh, in first place, in its 13th week, is Crude's The New AIDS, making $1.7 million, dropping only 17% in 1913 theaters for a per theater average of $8.98. It's crossed the $50 million mark and now sits at $154 million worldwide. In second place, we have The Little Things in week four, making 1.2 million in 2061 theaters, a 41% drop to a per theater average of 585. Domestic total is at 11.7 million. Worldwide total is 20.1 million. In third place, Judas and the Black Messiah is in week two, dropping 56% uh, to $905,000 in 1906 theaters. Per theater average of 475, domestic total 3.35 million, with another 50k from abroad, bringing it to 3.4 million total lifetime. Uh, in fourth place, we have Wonder Woman 1984 at $805,000 in week nine, a 29% drop in 1644 theaters. Per theater average of $490, domestic total is 42.7, worldwide total $159 million. Uh, and rounding out the top five, we have The Marksman making $781,000. In week six, dropping 29% to 476 per theater average in 1643 theaters. 
Lifetime total domestically for the marksman is $11.4 million. Uh, worldwide total is $15.1 million. Uh, also, you know, uh, outside of the top five, notably, Disney-owned Searchlight Pictures has opted to not share reporting numbers for Nomadland that opened wide this weekend in 1175 theaters that is the Oscar favorite and also released on Hulu. The estimate that Deadline gave is $503,000 this weekend on top of the IMAX debut a couple of weeks back of $170,000, meaning so far it's made $673,000 so far, about what Searchlight's David Copperfield made last year when theaters first reopened. Uh, given it's mostly an awards film, and would have come about 7th place this weekend. That's not bad, uh, but it's curious why Sourceside opted not to save the numbers. Um, I think it might be the case that they chose not to do so because it might hurt award chances if it didn't have you know great box office numbers. Um, same case for A24 and not releasing Minari numbers a little while back. Uh, domestic total is $7.6 million this week. Uh, the big release coming up is Warner's HBO Max, simultaneous release of Tom and Jerry. One year ago, again, this weekend the show started, uh, we had Sonic the Hedgehog top in the box office with $26 million in its second week ahead of the opening weekend of Call of the Wild. Total box office a year ago was $102 million. Now, abroad, aside from China, Tom and Jerry has been uh, in international markets making $4.4 million so far, number one in Brazil and Mexico, and the highest grossing post-pandemic film in Iceland. And in addition, Pixar Soul has continued to hit the top grossing Pixar film in Russia with uh, $15.6 million to date, as well as in Ukraine and Saudi Arabia. So far, its global total is $108.2 million. And with that, I think that's a wrap for this one-year anniversary episode of the Box Office Watch. Scoot me ideas for worlds I should cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find the show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review or at the very least, tell a friend. Any of that really helps. If you're feeling extra generous, again, consider subscribe, supporting us on Patreon, which helps me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts that I work on. Links to all of that will be in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.